Good afternoon, everybody. Really glad that you came and joined us this afternoon, that you would choose to give a few moments of your Christmas Eve celebration time uh, to us. And it's our desire that uh, each of us, as we think about the story of Christmas tonight, that we'd be able to move beyond the gift giving and the gift receiving and the eating. Well, maybe not the eating, okay? But we'd move beyond the rest of that stuff. We'd move beyond the relating, the relating we're going to do, the family, all that stuff, and that we had moved to one moment tonight where we'd be able to look at the baby that was born in a manger. And we're calling the service Believe because it's our heart's desire that every one of us would engage this afternoon and that we would listen to the story of a baby born in a manger and that we would place a childlike faith, a childlike belief in this story that really literally has changed the world and will change eternity for every one of us. If you want to follow along to my talk, you could. They've got some notes we put in the program that's about this size, and you want to follow, you could just maybe take some notes on here if you have a pen, or you could draw some characters of me while you're, you know, going along here, make paper airplanes, whatever you want to do. On the inside uh, is actually a copy for you tomorrow. Remember, we're not having church tomorrow. There's, we moved our services to Friday and Saturday. And that this is a home church guide that'll help you if you choose, if you want to do with you or your family, you'll be able to use that together as a way to just experience Christmas. Some folks told me they're actually going to use it Christmas Eve with family to help make some kind of tradition. That'd be something that you could do as well. See, what I've deserved and what I sense to be true about many of us is that what we've come to believe about Christmas, when we get beyond the wrappings and we get, you know, take the decorations down and we've done all the celebrating and we come to the end of this thing called Christmas is that many times it can leave us feeling disappointed and it can leave us feeling discouraged because we've not experienced what Christmas supposedly promises. And, and so that's why I believe that what we're going to do this afternoon is I want to ask each of us to restore a childlike belief or a childlike faith in the reality of Christmas, not in the falsehood of Christmas. See, unlike the trappings of uh, the Christmas celebration that we get involved in and we're told that we must do in order to be happy or to be somebody, all that we do, it keeps us so busy that we don't have time to stop and focus on the one thing that Christmas is all about, and that is a baby in a manger. I'm afraid that what happens to us is that we kind of uh, get numb to the whole story. I've got a quote from Dallas Willard. He's a philosophy of, uh, professor of philosophy at USC, and he says this, familiarity breeds unfamiliarity, and that's true. And see, that's the challenge when we come to Christmas, right? It's so familiar. Every year we read the same verses and we tell the well-worn story of Mary and Joseph on a donkey as they go to Bethlehem. And after a while, it kind of starts to sound like verbal wallpaper. We kind of just lose the meaning and the words just kind of bounce around inside our heads. A friend of mine calls this the Pledge Allegiance Syndrome. You know, you say the Pledge Allegiance so often, so many times that you kind of forget the meaning of the words. So my challenge to you this afternoon with me is that you would choose to engage, engage fully in the next few moments as I just declare clearly what the Bible says is the truth about this story. Now, first of all, I'll just tell you, we're not here to celebrate Christmas this afternoon. If we're not, you know, that's why we're here. No, we're not. We're here to celebrate the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're celebrating as we come together today. See, the temptation of Christmas is that we would 
reduce this baby to less than he really was, to less than God. Because if you can reduce this baby to less than God, then you can keep him from being the center of your life, keep him from having any claim to who you are. And what happens is Christmas can kind of become kind of you know, some nice seasonal folklore event that we participate in. But folks, if Jesus was who he claimed to be, that has quite an implication on our lives. And we want to look at that for a while this afternoon. So I'm just going to ask if we could bring this story in a fresh way to our minds. And we're going to ask God to refresh a childlike faith. Now, the Apostle John, uh, he wrote, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Apostle John, as he was uh, 18 years of age is when he first encountered, encountered Jesus Christ in his ministry. And so John became one of his followers at 18. He followed him for then three years, listening to Jesus teach, watching him heal, actually, you know, probably camping with Jesus, all the things that they did together. And so he knew Jesus pretty well. John was at the foot of the cross when Jesus was crucified. As Jesus looked down from the cross and saw John the apostle sitting below him, he also saw his mother and he said to John, you take care of my mother. You're the one I trust the most. You take care of my mother. And then the same apostle John saw Jesus die on that cross, be taken from that cross, put in a grave, and then went into that grave three days later when Jesus was resurrected. And the same John actually saw Jesus ascend to heaven. About 30 years later, John is writing the account of how Jesus impacted his life under the inspiration of Holy Spirit. And he writes and just encapsulates Jesus' life in one verse that is probably the most famous verse in all the world. It's John 3.16. And it says this, God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. You see, Jesus was not a messenger sent by God. Jesus was God with a message. And the message is God loves you, that God loves me, that God loves the world. God gave us the gift of a baby. Now, when you come to church at Christmas, once again, you expect us to talk about the baby. You know, when we get around to Christmas time and I start planning my messages and what I'm going to talk about for Christmas Eve, I never have to stop and ask, what am I going to talk about? Because every time it's about the baby, right? See, that baby was unique in many ways. But what we're going to focus on tonight is that how God showed us who this baby would be and was going to be by the name he gave the baby and then two titles that have been attributed to this baby. And from this, what I believe we're going to see is Jesus at Christmas. The whole idea of this evening, the whole idea of what we're going to move to today is that in order to know what Christmas is all about, I need to know the one Christmas is all about. So we're going to look at this one and look at him. And first we're going to look at his name. His name is Jesus. That's the name that God gave him. The angel is speaking to Joseph before Jesus was born and says this, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So it gives the, the name and then gives kind of a definition or the purpose of what Jesus was coming to do. Now, God could have chosen any name to give his son. 
He could have picked from any name that he would have given that Jesus, the son, would be known by. Now think about it. He's got this one opportunity to give his son a name that would not only be remembered forever, but would outline in one name, one word, his entire purpose and reason for being. And he named him Jesus. And Jesus means savior. It means actually God saves us. So when he named him Jesus, what God was saying is that Jesus would be our savior. He came not to be our coach. He came not to be our helper. He came not to be our teacher. He came not to be our giver of second chances. He came to be our savior. And that's the reason he came, our deliverer, our rescuer, his main mission, the main reason he came, his singular purpose on earth was, as it said there, to save his people from their sins. Luke 19, Jesus said it himself, I have come to seek and save the lost. See, the struggle is, though, is for us to realize that we need saving. That's a big deal for us to realize we need saving. I had a friend that told a story, uh, and he was at a busy city intersection, and he pulls up to the intersection, and the light turns red, and he's sitting there while the light's red, and, and the cars are whizzing by on the green side as they're going by. And he looks across at the car on the other side of the intersection, also pulled up this red, and a woman sitting behind the wheel. And he knows it's a really fancy sports car, so he really kind of you know, looked at it for a minute. And then he saw something that the woman didn't see, and there were actually flames shooting from underneath her car. She's sitting there, kind of just sitting there waiting for the light to turn green. She has no idea what's going on. Well, the guy next to this guy, he jumps out of his car. He dodges across the intersection. He dodges through the cars. He comes over to her car. She sees him out of the corner of her eye running at her. She thinks, carjacking. And so she's thinking he's going to take her car. And so she first hits the lock, and then she's over here as far as she can, you know. And then he gets up there, and he bangs on the window, and it turns green, and she hits the gas, and her car went about two feet and died in the intersection. And as soon as it died, flames shot up out of the hood. And she sees what's going on. And what she realized at that moment is that this man had come to save her. She needed saving and he was her savior. And he opened the door and she got out of the car. You see, sometimes we don't realize that we need saving until somebody comes to save us. Until somebody comes along and helps us to know that we need saving. Now, what I want to do is I'll talk a little bit about what that means for us that Jesus came to be our savior. Two ideas, and the first is this. Because the baby is Jesus, I can receive forgiveness of my sin and guilt. So I'm saved from, I can receive forgiveness for my sin and guilt. And the second one is this, because the baby is Jesus, I can receive freedom for my fear and failures. I can receive freedom for my fears and my failures. Look at what it says in Romans 3.23. Everyone has sinned. Now, I just want to stop there. Everyone has sinned. And that doesn't leave anyone out. You know, some people think that, oh, well, only good people go to church. And so, you know, for me to show up at church, especially like Christmas Eve, it's like all the good people will be there and I'll be, I just won't feel like I fit in or something like that because they're all perfect. Now, look around the room just a minute. You see many perfect people in here? <laughs> We're not, folks. Everyone has sinned. So this is all of us. Everybody's in the same place. Everybody can understand. We all fall short. Every one of us falls short of God's glorious standard. And see, I think if we're very honest inside, if we're honest intellectually, and if we're honest 
uh, about who we are, that every one of us would agree with the assertion made in that verse. We have all sinned, and therefore we all have guilt. But there's no human system, the Bible says, no human system, no idea, no ideology, no book, no therapy, no religion that can cleanse or pay for the sin that I have and remove my guilt problem. Tim Tim Keller is a very uh, famous pastor in New York City. He writes this about the difference between the message of Jesus as Savior and every other world religion. He says this, the founders of every major religion essentially say, do this and you will find the divine. But Jesus says, I am the divine come to you to do for you what you could not do for yourselves. So the story of Christmas is that heaven came to earth. Jesus, the perfect one, then lived his life, grew up, and then went to a cross, and he died. He paid a debt to a holy God that we could not pay. He took upon himself what we deserved so we would, not, so we would be able to get what we don't deserve, and that is forgiveness and freedom. On the cross of Jesus, my brokenness and my sin met up with the mercy and grace and forgiveness of heaven. And they met up there. And folks, we don't, none of us have to be captive to our guilt, to our fears, to our failures, because Jesus gives us hope that we can be set free. So that's his name. And that's how it can impact us as we think about him this Christmas time. Now, I want to cover a couple of titles. And the first one I want to cover is Christ. And some of you, when you hear Christ, you think, well, that's not a title, Ron. That's just his last name. Jesus Christ. You know, okay, okay that's his last name. But no, it's not. It was not given to him as a last name. It was actually a title given to him. And it has great significance for us in our lives. And so I want to look at that, uh, about the significance it has. The angel said in Luke 2.10, it says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So Christ means God's anointed. It means God is for us. So Christ was anointed to show us that God is for us. That's what it means. That's his role. It was a title given to him. Now, in the Old Testament... There were three positions that were anointed for service to God. Three positions. And they were all imperfect humans who filled those positions in the Old Testament. And Christ is the perfect. The first one was a prophet. A prophet was anointed in the Old Testament to speak to the people for God. To speak to the people for God. And so Jesus, as our perfect prophet, comes along and he assures us that he will speak to us for God. So you know that you can always hear from God when you have Christ as your prophet. The second role, the second reason that someone was anointed in the Old Testament is that they anointed priests. And a priest's primary responsibility was to speak to God for the people, to speak to God for the people. And so because Jesus is our perfect priest, we can know that we can always talk to God that we can always come to him, that he will always listen to us because we are coming through our great high priest, Jesus Christ. We can be assured that he will, that God will always hear us. Hebrews 1 says this, 
Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. Now, the last role, the last reason that someone was anointed in the Old Testament is they anointed kings. And the king's job was to reign over the kingdom. And because Jesus is my king, my perfect king, I get the responsibility and the pleasure of serving in his kingdom, serving with him. But not only that, the really cool part about this is Kim shared on Sunday when she did a talk on this whole idea is that I have a king that will be victorious and I'm going to serve with a king that's been guaranteed victory. And so I personally am guaranteed victory myself. I can trust him. So we got a name. Jesus, and that means God saves us. We have a title, Christ, and that means God is for us. We're going to listen to a song now that just encapsulates everything I've said. It's going to be a trick song a little bit, though. So you're going to have to listen closely. This song, it's one of the freshest songs I believe I've heard in a long time about Christmas. And it's a song from the perspective of Jesus in heaven before he was born as he's looking about what he was called to do. Let's listen to this. So we have Jesus as his name, and we have Christ as a title, and I want to cover one more of his titles, and it's very familiar at Christmas time. We sing it. We've heard it. It's the name, the title, Emmanuel. And uh, personally, I think that of all the three that I've talked about tonight, this is the one that gets me, uh, touches me the most right now for my life and where I'm at now, but it's the gift of Emmanuel. This is what the angel said. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And it defines what Emmanuel means there, it says, which means God is with us. So that's what Emmanuel means. It means God is with us. That's his nature. I can count on God always being present, always being with me. It's in God's very nature, folks, to want to be present in your life to come alongside of you, to be active, and to walk with you. So Emmanuel means God is with you. Now, there's two things that we can know because of the fact that God is with us. The first one is this, because the baby is Emmanuel, I can know God's presence. You know, God's not out there somewhere, but I can know and experience God close to me. Because this is what it says about the baby. It says in Colossians 1.15, it says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, and he's supreme over all creation. You see, Jesus, uh, God came as a baby in Jesus Christ to show us what he's like. So when I look at Jesus, I look at this baby, I can know what God is like. God packaged himself, first of all, in the form of a human being and a baby— so that it would be hard for anyone to resist him. He sent him as a baby. Have you ever, you know, tried to resist the smile of a baby? Maybe you're in a grocery store line, you're waiting on the checking, and somebody in front of you, in the cart in front of you has a baby, smiles at you. You can't resist it. This week we went to my daughter's Christmas concert, and so before a Christmas concert, we were having a family dinner, and we were talking about, you know, the things we were going to do, and part of it was going to this concert that night. And my 17-year-old son just announced that he wasn't going. They'd already made other plans. And so as the dinner progressed, we were able to convince him that this was a family event, and we were all going together to his little sister's Christmas 
program so that he could, you know, see her sing as well. So we go to the Christmas program. We go sit down. We were about two-thirds of the way back, and we were there a little bit earlier. We were waiting for it to start, and he was sitting there, and he had his iPod on, and he was texting his friends, and, you know, he's, he's just waiting for it to start so it could be over, right? You know that teenage kind of thing. So that's where he's at right now, just kind of the whole deal. And then, uh, a couple sits down in front of us and they had a little boy and the little boy had curly blonde hair, looked exactly like our son did at his age. And what happened is, is my son and this little boy started the grinning game. You know how little, little babies can be and little infants can be. They started grinning at each other and they did that pretty much throughout the entire performance. And then when it was, at, and when it was over, my son said to me, he just turned to me and he said this, he said, dad, Andrew was so cute. I was doing my best to be in a bad mood, but he wouldn't let me. <laughs> oh. You see, folks, when Jesus came as a baby, he confronted all those who were determined to be in a bad mood. You can't be in a bad mood when you see a baby. And that's why the angels could say, there's no fear here. There's no fear in this one who came. God came, but he wasn't untouchable and he wasn't scary. And we could relate to him because he came as a human being, because he came as one of us. But he didn't stay as a baby. He then grew up and walked on the face of the earth, and people saw in Jesus Christ, it's the way he lived, they saw God. And they got to come to a deeper understanding of who God was. He came to show us, Jesus did, that the Lord is in this place. He came to affirm the promise that's in Hebrews 13, 5, that says, God says to us, he says to you right now, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And see, the impact in our lives of Jesus is Emmanuel is this. God wants to be with you. He wants to be with you. Now, there's a variety of ways that we can experience God's presence. He's huge in his abilities and so there's a lot of all kinds of different ways that he can express himself so that we can be aware of his presence. The key is this, whether or not we know he's near when he is, whether or not we can perceive that he's there. Do we perceive him to be with us? And I'll just be real honest with you. This takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of practice. It takes discipline, actually, to do this, to practice, to realize that God is always there with me. It's one thing to say it, it's another to know it deep down inside that he's always there. So I have to learn to structure my life in such a way that I'm going to hear his still small voice. See, my part in the spiritual life is to learn to continually focus my attention on God. And that's why I'm really thrilled. We're going to start a series on January 8th. There's a postcard in your program. You can take it home and look at it. And it's talking about rhythms, everyday spiritual practices, and really designed to help us to know how can I hear God? How can I experience his presence? Maybe you'll want to come and join us then. So we're reminded at Christmas that God shows up in the middle of our chaos, in the middle of our difficult circumstances, in the middle of our pain, in the middle of our joy, God always shows up. And the second thing we can see from Emmanuel, the baby shows us is this, is that God is for me. Because God is near me, I know that God is for me, that he will deliver me. See, God wants this designation of his son as Emmanuel for us to realize that this is proof that God is always at work on behalf of his people, always. 
2 Corinthians 1.20 says this about Jesus. It says, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. All of his promises. So every promise, it says, is fulfilled through this Emmanuel who is with me. God is for me. So one of the coolest things when I realize that God's not just with me, he's not just there, but everywhere I go, he's actually for me. He's working on my behalf. For instance, somebody rejects you, but in the middle of the pain, a thought kind of jolts through your mind. And here's the thought. I'm loved by God. He's for me. You face a challenge, a challenging situation at work, a challenging workmate or employer or employee, or maybe you've lost a job. But in the middle of all that anxiety, an idea kind of explodes in your mind. I can handle this. This won't destroy me. My life will go on. You're feeling all alone? Not sure if anyone really knows that you exist or those who do know care? And a thought just bursts in your mind. God cares. He is with me, therefore I am never alone. You're needing guidance, you're needing direction, need a decision, you know, make a decision about something that's right in front of you. And then the next thing you know, you get an idea. And you say, oh, that's a really reasonable idea. And you start pursuing that and you realize that this was actually God working and God spoke to you to guide you, to direct you. See, Emmanuel is more than just a promise to the people in his day when he came. Emmanuel is a promise to us today. Jesus verbalized this himself in John chapter 14. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you, who will always be with you. That word advocate there is talking about Holy Spirit. Now, another word for Holy Spirit in the Bible is paraclete. And the word paraclete means that he comes alongside. He's with me. He's alongside of me wherever I go. He's always there. You see, there's some folks that believe that when it says Emmanuel, that it means God was with us. That back there, you know, when Jesus was born, that that's when God was with people. That when Jesus was here. But Jesus told his followers that when he would go away, that he would send to them another comforter, Holy Spirit, who would never leave them. You would always know that God is for you. And then right before he went back to heaven, it's recorded in Matthew 28. It says this. It says, Jesus says to his followers, to his friends, I will be with you always. And that promise has come to mean so much to me in the season that my family has been in. This has been a really tough year in many ways. It began in April. In April, uh, my father, who had been sick with emphysema in the hospital and all kinds of uh, really painful things that come with that, had a heart attack on Easter Sunday and went to heaven. One of the highlights of my year was being able to deliver his memorial service, one of the honors of my life. That was a very difficult time, though, as I was grieving the death of my father. Then the summer, my wife and I decided that we would do some health work. And uh, I don't know, mo some of your guests, and you wouldn't know this, but I have a disease. I have hepatitis C. And so we decided we'd check it out and see how it's doing. I believe we've had it, I've had it since about 19. And so we checked it out. And finally, the last check was a biopsy. And the biopsy came back not anything like we would have wanted it to. And so on October 23rd, I started treatment. And it's a very difficult treatment plan uh, that's complicated with drugs that interact and just, you know, it's a medically induced psychosis is what I call it. 
For those of you who know you've been there, you understand. And uh, yeah, so I'm in the middle of that. And by the way, this is end of week nine, 15 to go. So we're going to, 15 to go. And um, I'll just give you a little more to applaud about. It's now undetectable. It's undetectable. So the virus is still undetectable. And we have 15 weeks left to go. So that's kind of been, you know, what my family's been dealing with. At the same time, my wife was diagnosed with Lyme's disease. And so she started treatment with that. And it's going to be a year-long treatment before they told her that she'll get to feel better. And then currently, she shared this on Sunday, she's in Florida and she's walking through the death of her dad, what it looks like. And tremendous pain uh, that our family's gone through. And to top it all off, in November, our dog died. I could write a country and western song. <laughs> but Emmanuel means so much to me. Because every promise that God made is fulfilled through Jesus Christ. And when it says, I can do all things through Christ who lives in me, it's saying that every promise that God made lives in me. And it's for me and my family. It says in Isaiah, it says, he keeps in perfect peace all who depend on him, all who lean into him. Those are promises. And Emmanuel says to you and to me, it says, God is for you. And all of God's promises are available for you through this baby, Jesus Christ. See, God comes to us in our hurts and our doubts and our fears and our confusion, and our disappointments and our brokenness and our pain. And he says, I want you to know in the middle of all that, I am with you. I am right there. You can trust me. You can know and you can rely on me. But we have to believe. John 1.12 says this. It says, to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. So I want to ask this evening is this. Based on what you've heard, would you be willing to believe? Would you be willing to place, if it re just requires this, even a childlike faith, a childlike belief in Jesus as your Savior, Christ as God is for you, and Emmanuel, God is with you. Would you be willing to believe the message of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel? Would you allow it to awaken you to believe the most amazing message ever given? And what I hope we understand tonight is this. Christmas is not about the present under the tree. Christmas is about the person in the manger. And when we understand the person in the manger, I believe that it demands a response. I mean, it demands a response from us to this baby that was born in a manger. And I've been thinking about this, about how we might respond. And I, I, I just want to give us some options, uh, some ways that we might respond tonight, that you might respond. And the first response is that some of us are going to reject the message. It's true. Some of us are going to say, you know what, Ron, that was a great story. Really enjoyed the music tonight. Thanks for letting me be here. But it's not for me. And I know that to be true because I was one like that that rejected the message for a long time. I know there's other folks who are here tonight and they're going to say, you know what, Ron, this has been a very interesting and it's created some thoughts in me. And so my response is going to be to reflect on the message. I just want to reflect on it. I'm going to give an honest search, an intellectual 
kind of process that I'm going to go through to try to get more information to understand it. Some of you are here and you say, oh man, I said yes to Jesus so long ago and yet I've not walked with him and I just want to renew my commitment to him. And I know that there are some here tonight that would say, I want to receive him. I want to make him my savior. I want him to be my Christ and my Emmanuel. I'm going to pray and give us that opportunity. So would you bow your heads for a moment? Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus. And just like when he came in his day, today, we have to respond. We can't ignore him. Not if he's who you said he was. And so, Father, we come to you tonight, and I just pray for every person, and they were thinking about their response. Some are renewing their commitment to you. They're coming home to you, so to speak. Others are saying, I'm going to be intellectually honest with this information. And I'm just praying for those who feel right now that they want to reject it, that there will be a day, there will be a day when you'll penetrate that heart. And Father, I really want to pray for those who are saying yes right now. That they say, I want to receive forgiveness. I want to receive freedom. I want to have Christ for me. I want to be able to communicate to God, have God communicate with me. I want to know my purpose in life. And I want to know that God is with me and for me. And so Jesus, as much as we understand that, we just say yes to you today. Yes. Yes to forgiveness for what you did on the cross. Thank you that you took what I deserved so I would get what I didn't deserve. And that's your freedom. And I pray, Jesus, as we leave tonight, that it wouldn't be just about a service and that this would generate much conversation over Christmas Eve and Christmas as well. And we want to glorify you in all you do. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.